0: listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the Podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood. And today on the program, I have Lindsey Graham. Now, Lindsey is the founder of Airship, and he has been in the podcast space for a really long time. So super excited to have him on the show today. Welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So, Lindsay, how long have you been in the podcast space?
1: Oh, well, the, the true answer to that is since 2005. But the more practical answer, because I had a podcast that lasted nine months back then. And then um, took a, a, a sabbatical for about 11 years, I suppose, away from the industry. And uh, I, my, my real return, I guess, was an audio drama called Terms that Wondry distributed and that came out in early 2017.
0: Wow. So you must have always really had a passion for audio to have kind of jumped into the podcast space that early.
1: Yeah, that was that was it. Um, I've always been interested in audio. Actually, you can see behind me uh, it's really music that drove you know that interest. I've been playing instruments and being in bands and producing bands since high school. And uh, that first podcast was actually about the local music scene here in Dallas. But it's helped because I have all the the microphones sitting around. I might as well put them to use.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. Well, so tell us a little bit about Airship, your company, and what exactly you guys do.
1: So Airship originally was just a vessel to contain the output that I was doing early on. Uh, So when uh, shows with Wondery started coming out, the first one was American History Tellers in early 2018, I mean, honestly, it's just an LLC for tax purposes back then. But since then, we've come out with more shows. And some of them are on contract with Wondery, like American Scandal. That's a show they own, but, but I host and, and we produce. Or they're wholly owned shows like our own History Daily. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think how many shows there are. There's been about seven or eight altogether. And we do other production for other shows, um, mostly in the history space. Uh, one of your favorites, history that doesn't suck, and uh, and so it, Airship has become this place to collect all of this. We we've now got six employees, and and we're still growing, and uh, so we have aspirations not just in the history space, which is where we've kind of started. But we're growing in concentric circles outwards.
0: And so really the focus of Airship is all around production and the production quality that you can put into shows and really the method to which you kind of put together podcasts. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, I think that's our core competency. We probably have horizontal aspirations beyond that. But right now, if you'd like a um, a pretty well put together narrative podcast, uh, we've, we've done a few of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, and I, I wanted to just talk a little bit about Wondery. If anyone's listening and hasn't heard of Wondery, they obviously were a company that started, I think, back in 2016 to uh, bring podcasts kind of to the market. I know they represented some shows, they created some of their own, um, but then I want to say last year sold to Amazon. So they've been kind of um, a neat company to watch grow and um, just I think do a fantastic job promoting and growing podcasts. You know, I, I think if you were To point to any company out there that did a good job growing shows, it would be Wondery. I think that they've kind of used a really unique method and I would say very systematized approach to promoting shows and growing audiences, which um, really is by buying a lot of ads and feed drops and and other things, at least from, from my vantage point. And you've worked pretty closely with Wondery and kind of with that experience, it's almost as though... In some ways, you've been the voice of Wondery. What has that experience been like for you?
1: Oh, it's been great. I'm not an employee of Wondery, but I have been with him since almost the beginning. Wondery had aspirations to bring, you know, Hollywood methods uh, to the podcast space. And I think they've, they've done that. But along the way, they've made some really smart pivots. Early on, they were an aggregator of affiliate shows. They, they recognized that, the network effect is the way to get ahead because cross-promotion would be free, right? Pretty much. And I think early on also, they realized that marketing for podcasts, certainly in the growth period of the industry back then, was fundamentally limited in its effectiveness to marketing on other podcasts. So again, building a network of shows that they control or at least influence was was really smart. And since then, of course, they've probably pioneers of the of the podcast to to hollywood pipeline probably more of their shows have hit the screen than than any others and they still remain very interested in in ip uh, uh, development and beyond that of course the 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 amazon acquisition has changed the game for them and and changed also their i think uh, the depth of their horizon and and aspirations they are making plays that other Other companies just can't contemplate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll never forget the first year I attended Podcast Movement, which was the year I entered the space. And I was very green at that point. But I remember walking around and seeing Wondry's booth and talking to them and thinking like, ooh, what are these people up to? And so it's been really cool to see the kind of the growth trajectory of the company. And and as you said, I think it's it's neat to me anytime we can see pioneers within the industry, And and Wondery's definitely been that. I know when you and I first talked, we talked about advertising and and the different ad reads. And I remember one of the comments that you made to me was, Heather, I've been doing ad reads for many years now. I've done ad reads for just about every advertiser that's out there. And because of kind of the role that you've played at Wondery and with your own podcast and production, you've done so many ad reads. And so a big part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the show today was to talk to you about kind of deconstructing the host red ad. Um, it's a, a kind of really pivotal part, um, at least of our business at True Native Media, as well as the industry. And I think that we're going through a bit of an evolution in terms of the advertising space in general. And I do want to make sure that we aren't losing touch with a host red ad and all of its complexities and what it you know what it brings to the table because it's not super easy, right? I mean, some days I think, gosh, wouldn't it be great if advertisers just sent us ads and we just played them on podcasts? It would be so simple. But oh no, we like to do things the difficult way here. <laughs> um, so let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I have done hundreds, if not thousands of ads. The reason for that is that I am probably literally the voice of Wondery. in that little uh, call out, Wondery at the very beginning. That's me. So I'm on every Wondery show, but more than that, I'm also one of the, the voices that does a, a, a large portion of their run of network producer red ads, which are, you know, just a step away from the host red ad. And that's how my engagement with Wondery started I, with, I did all the ads for Dirty John back before it was the runaway hit that it was. Yeah, not only do I do host reds for, for my shows, but I do the producer reds for many of Wondery shows. And then of course, there are the programmatic ads that, that we just get sent, right? But, um, yeah, I think there's the host read ad still works for a a variety of reasons. Podcasts remain a very intimate medium. The, the even, even shows that I do, which are not really personality driven. I kind of insist on a, on a remove from the audience. I'm I'm more of a, a narrator or a voice of God in many of my shows. I don't use any personal pronouns. It's never I. But even in that context, which is far away from any of the, the really influencer driven chat shows, people develop a connection to me, my voice, my cadence, and uh, the parasocial relationship is real. And that's what the advertisers are, are leveraging the, the, in the host red. They want a whatever pixie dust they can get on, uh, on their, on their ad read. So that it resonates with this specific audience and you know, this 30,000 people or this 80,000 people that listens to whatever show. And, you know, uh, um, it makes I mentioned kind of the, the remove I have in, in many of my my podcasts, which make it makes it difficult, actually, to do good host re- reads, because all of a sudden I'm switching gears from a behind the curtain voice into a first-person voice that is often, you know, mandated or, or, or certainly requested by advertisers that I, I endorse these products. And so I, uh, it, it, it is a, it's a tricky thing to navigate. I found the best way to do it is, is what, it, <laughs> what makes podcasts good in the beginning is to tell a story. And every, every spot must have some sort of narrative. Okay. I am sometimes relieved when I get a verbatim script from an advertiser that's been, you know, rung out by legal and, and the PR people and all the executives have, have made sure that this is word perfect because the effort on, on my end is low. I just read the script. But I don't think they do well because it's not my voice. Right, It's exactly. not the same connection. Even just the, the construction of the sentences aren't how they would come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm forced into an unnatural posture from the beginning. But the storytelling is, is really important in these ads. And you have st- if you're really clever about it, you might have, uh, gosh, you know, if you if you stretch it to a 75 second ad, you've got 230 words and I speak fast to get across the message. And that's not a lot. So I try to find a hook right up at the top, mm-hmm. um, something that is personal or, or topical, depending on which show certain things lend themselves to to different approaches and then make a hard segue, you know, into into the bullet points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's actually a fun little puzzle to, to, to work on, to figure out. (laughs)
0: That's great. Um, so one of the things that really shocked me is that I came from radio and newspaper where if somebody walked up to us and said, Hey, we have ad dollars, we want to buy an ad if it were legal, we would take their money. And when I started in podcasting, we're working with these hosts. They're very excited about getting ads in their show. They have aspirations, of course, of making thousands of dollars. And I am shocked at the number of hosts that turn down advertisers. Um, you know, and And sometimes they're, from my vantage point, very benign products where I think, how could you not get behind a food item? Or how could you not get behind, you know, a banking item, just something where I'm like, everybody needs these things, you should be able to promote this toothbrush. And yet they say no. And so I'm just I'm I'm kind of curious, because you've done so many ad reads. And in many cases, um, as you've mentioned, you're working for Wondery, they say, hey, read this ad. And so you know, it's not like you can say yes or no, perhaps. But I'm, I'm just curious kind of what your theory is on having a more broad acceptance policy for advertisers.
1: Yeah, there are many spots that I wish I didn't have to read, you know, just for a variety of reasons. I might not agree with, with the company's politics or, or because of just the scale of how many ads I do, I have been shipped three mattresses in a nine-month period. So, you know, what am I supposed to do um, and, you know, there was, they're, they're all for different shows. So there's not really a, an exclusivity period. Uh, so uh, I have early on, I had also three meal kits arrive in one week from so different are you're giving
0: companies. these products away to your friends and family or
1: <laughs> absolutely, I have to, you know, and, and, um, you know, that's, that's, that's ridiculous and a, 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 a nice problem to have, but logging out a, a mattress every, every three months or whatever is, isn't the most fun. Um, so there are real reasons why uh, some products just don't fit. And so I understand my contract with Wondery is, is largely one of acceptance. I mean, that's kind of the job, read this ad. I can say no, but I try to be right on, as, as generous as possible. Where it really gets tricky, though, is when they demand a personal endorsement. And, and this is, I think, probably something that, that we can talk about. Because uh, how endorsed is an endorsement? There is certainly a gradation. What I have discovered is that I don't particularly need to say, I use this product. I own this product. Uh, I like this product. I love this product. What I do need to do is put the first person pronoun in the story somewhere. And this is where the storytelling comes you know, from. I can say that I was just on a road trip with my daughter up to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and this thing happened and it reminded me of this product. And I will make the segue as, as well as I can, but the, the eye is still there. It's in the story. It's in the hook. It's, it's and, and hopefully I will call back to it later. So it, it's very, it feels first person, even though I may not have even received the product yet. The, there's so many times in which the ad is due before the, the, the product arrives for, for, uh, for sampling. And um, that's OK. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, the volume of, of ads, the type of ads this is the game that as it gets played. Everyone is working hard, and everyone has high expectations. So there is sometimes just um, a, a strategy to meeting them when there is any sort of friction between the host. And and the requirements of of the brand read. I think you can you can figure it out. There's a middle way.
0: And I I often think that it's really valuable to put yourself in the shoes of the audience. So you know, if you think about your audience on any given day, it's possible that one of them need a mattress. It's possible that one of them need a meal delivery kit. It's possible one of them needs a supplement. And so you just don't really know where your audience is. And while maybe you personally, as the host, might not feel like you're like, gosh, I've been taking this great supplement for 10 years and I'm happy and it's made me healthy. I don't need to switch to a different supplement or talk about why this particular one is better. And that might be your situation as the host, but that doesn't mean it's the situation of the audience. Uh, And I think, as you've mentioned, part of it is really just the skill of being able to position it in a way that that makes it feel firsthand and also makes it feel like you're providing the audience with a good option without having to say, I take this powder every morning and it's made me feel like a superhuman, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, all of these products are attempting to solve a problem. And most of those Mm -hmm. problems are very universal. Everyone has had a restless night. Everyone has been too tired to cook. Everyone, you know, needs to brush their teeth, right? Every single one of these products has a pretty generic problem that they're solving, and you experienced it. And you can certainly talk to other people that, that have experienced it. I mean, BetterHelp is a good example, too. I mean, I'm a major advertiser in the space. And not everyone is going to therapy, but everyone has had a bad week. You know, and so you can you can place yourself in that bad week for... 10, 15 seconds and, and say, say things. Well, you know, if it's worse than a bad week, you might not need to talk to someone. And here's an opportunity, you know, to, to bring up the, the advertiser. There are plenty of, no one is really special, (laughs) I guess is my answer. You, uh, you have the same problems as everyone else. And if you can, can connect with some sort of empathy to the problem that's being solved by this product, I, I think you will find an audience in the sponsorship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that that kind of more broad acceptance policy is bad for the audience or do you think that it benefits them?
1: Well, you, you mentioned that, you know, you, you need to think about the audience and, and if you have a large scale audience that, that's beyond like a, a niche, a really niche podcast. I mean, if, if you got the Cat grooming podcast of North Alabama, you know, maybe, maybe that's very specific. But even then, you know, broad audiences have broad problems. And so you might be talking to enough people that really would be as assisted by this product. Radio and podcasts do have a number of products that are probably exploitative or ineffectual or just scams. And you should try to avoid those. Mm-hmm. But many of the other, other products are, are real and they're solving real problems. So I think you can talk to a broad audience broadly and and capture the interest of a few of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between a host-read ad and a producer-read ad. And just to um, kind of set the stage and define those, in my book, a host-read ad is an ad that is created and read by the host of a program And in most cases, we are kind of trying to play on that influencer piece where people know, like, and trust the host. We've got this ad read that's coming up, as you've mentioned, and we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, when the ad read is done well, people want to listen to it. Sometimes they may not even realize they're listening to an ad for the first few seconds of the ad read, which is kind of what we want. And then, you know, there next to the host read is the producer read ad and In my mind, Oprah Winfrey's show always sticks out as being a really good example of producer-ed ads. Um, You know, Oprah Winfrey's not doing the ad reads for her shows, but I can also tell they're not programmatic, meaning it's the same voice every time. They are using some personal experience. So she has someone on her production team along the way that's producing these ads for her. And while maybe it doesn't feel the same as a host-read ad, it does feel different than an ad with a totally different voice. Oftentimes, pre-produced ads just maybe have a different cadence even than the cadence of a podcast um, that the listeners used to. But talk to us a little bit about how you see the differences between host-read and producer-read ads.
1: Yeah, I think you've described it pretty well. I mean, like, it is the next best thing to the host Red, because you're you're trying to build up the same sort of thing, the same familiarity, the same the same feeling of fit with the podcast. Um, and you know, I, I actually haven't listened to the Oprah uh, podcast, but I sure listen to NPR, and that's the same thing. You know, they have recognizable, friendly sponsorship voices—a male and a female—and they trade off, and you know them. You know them almost as well as as the hosts, even though I can't name them. And um, it's the same with the host red. So um, I know for a fact that Wondery has done some analytics about their producer red spots, and they have go to voices for go to situations. Uh, they've they've done some focus group work and uh, know when they want a friendly voice versus an authoritative voice. And, and they've scored us. So you build up the familiarity. It is a fit for the show, because it doesn't feel so far, you know, so far away from it, the cadence is right, and there's not like suddenly some progressive jingle in the middle of the show. And then you get to do uh, smarter things, like matching the right producer to the right read, to the right show, and uh, and perhaps be able to broaden your acceptance of products. It might be that the host is uncomfortable personally endorsing a certain product, but would be okay that the show has the spot in it. And that gives you a, a whole new world of, of of advertisers to choose from. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I also think it's really important to consider the work that is invested. There's a fair amount of work that goes into creating a host red ad. As we've talked about, receiving the products, you know, making sure you get the products before the product's actually, <laughs> the ad's supposed to go live, which is can be tricky oftentimes. You know, and then deciding how to put the ad together if you're putting it together well, that could... I mean, that could take especially someone that's new at this some, some serious time and then recording it. So I do think that there's a place for producer red ads. And, um, you know, when we look at kind of just the numbers, at least according to the IAB, the number of producer red ads definitely seems to be growing. And I would think that it would continue to grow. I also think that it's really important from an advertiser perspective to look at at the differences between the ads. So if you're really interested in trying to go down that influencer route, number one, you might look at it from a content perspective, right? Like we've been talking about if it is more of like that voice of God show or a really true narrator of a show, maybe that isn't as much in the influencer space as somebody who is, you know, that host is very personal with their audience and they're giving really personalized experience or suggestions to the audience. So I think that it's important to establish as an advertiser, if that's what you want, um, and then I, I think also price does factor into it as well. I mean, producer red ads don't tend to be as at the same level in terms of cost as host red ads. Um, they can be very competitive. It depends on, as you've mentioned, if if the advertiser is doing a run of network or if they are specifically, you know, buying one one you know particular podcast. But I think that there, you know, there are certainly different approaches where you could make a case for for either. Um, What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, Producer Red certainly has some advantages in terms of scale and efficiencies, right? You mentioned the work and sometimes these ads are work and it's really nice to do it once uh, and then have it all of a sudden on eight different shows versus having eight different people take a crack at it. I mean, that's that's hard. So, yeah, I think they certainly have a place. If you can get shave off a tiny bit of, of the CPM, you know, so you're not paying the ultimate premium for the host red and still get the same results, then that's, that's perfect. I will ad- you know, address the, the, the language of host red versus producer red because it's tricky too. Um, it's similar to the, the narrator first person sort of um, switch. But many times you will get copy points from advertisers that are absolutely geared to the very chatty first person show and they want you to say hey y'all I've just been having and that's just preposterous for for my show it is also really difficult for the for the producer read mm-hmm. because it's forcing a relationship with this voice it will prompt the question who who is this and why are they so friendly with me um, I think there needs to be a deliberate remove in the producer ads. So, and and you can be really clever with that. At the same time, I will say that I've heard some producer ads that are very first person and they they work perfectly. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think there is just this extra little bit of remove from the from the influencer first person language that's not hard to dial in, and it's still just as effective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. So I want to shift gears maybe just a tad and talk a little bit about constructing ads. So as someone who has literally written thousands of ads, I presume (laughs) you have a very unique perspective on getting the talking points, trying to create an ad. And I know you've already talked about, hey, let's start with the story. Let's get a hook. Then let's, you know, segue into the bullet points. But can we dive a little bit deeper? Um, I would love for you to just kind of walk us through your process. So you know, let's say you've agreed to the advertiser. Let's presume you've gotten the product. You have the talking points, you know, sitting in front of you. How do you approach actually putting an ad read together?
1: I kind of try to read between the lines of of the bullet points. There is such a variety of material that you're provided by the advertiser. Sometimes it's almost a blank page and sometimes it's, it's, it's an encyclopedia. But the the best guidance that you get from an advertiser gives you an indication of of not just what the selling points are but what the philosophy is and so you try to find what this company is you know what it what it stands for and what problem it's solving and if you can find either one of those both of those then you can begin to speak to it and so i i I look more closely at, at the materials I'm provided to find the, the philosophy or identity of the product or company so that I can speak to that. And I'm not necessarily so interested in the, all the product features because those are, those are secondary and only are there to reinforce the philosophy or identity of the product. So then once I get a handle on what this company is doing, let, let's say... Let's say there's an insurance aggregator, right? And they want you to go to their website to price out a bunch of policies. And what what are they trying to do? Let's let's say it's life insurance. Well, they're trying to do two things. They're trying to sell life insurance. So I need to like tell people that they need it. But secondarily, I need to to kind of assuage some fears here that is really easy and it can be inexpensive. And that actually, that latter part, is the more interesting bit for this particular client. That's what they're trying to solve. That's their identity. We're fast, easy, and cheap. And you get the same product, and this is a better way. This is the future way of buying life insurance or whatever it is. So now I know that fast, easy, cheap, overcoming obstacles, stopping procrastinating, knowing you should buy it because you should buy life insurance, but it's such a hassle, right? So now I'm building a, a narrative once I identify what the, the, the thing is behind the company. And so now I can come up with a thousand different scenarios, personal or, or non-personal, in which I think of obstacles, procrastination, doing something that I needed to do that the, the relief of getting through that. And, uh, and it could be Checking off things on my to-do list. It could be graduating high school. It could, you know, like there's so many different ways to, to accomplish the, the, the narrative execution of saying, I got through this and it wasn't that bad. And all you have to do is, is mirror that story with the benefits of, of the product or, or company. Uh, it's just like finally getting life insurance and realizing it was so easy and inexpensive. You should have done it years ago. Right. And here's, here's how you can do it now. So I, I think about the the problem being solved, the identity of the company, um, the, the the sales philosophy, right? And from there, the narrative comes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I love that that you talk about what is the problem that the company solves because I do find that with talking points, often advertisers do provide like these unique selling propositions, which is really important, but ultimately, as you mentioned, every company should solve a problem. And really, if you can get to the core of what problem it is that they're trying to solve, that in and of itself really kind of allows you to build a nice narrative around it. And and that sounds like that's kind of like a tent post for you.
1: Yeah, I I think many advertisers do get lost in the trees and uh, and forget the forest. Uh, they'll tell you the you know the ingredients, the the manufacturing process, the founder's story, anything but what they actually are trying to achieve. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 sometimes difficult to to parse it out. Um, and many of those points, and sometimes there's you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty of them. And now name all of the following sales points, and that's impossible. Um, they they don't really speak to them, their own mission, and uh, that's that's. That's a shame because I don't know that many podcasters have the time, uh, experience or willingness to dig through a, you know, a poorly constructed set of set of uh, speaking points to find the real, real mission behind the company.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for any advertisers who may be listening to this podcast today, I just would highly encourage you to think about your talking points. All of these things that Lindsay is saying, if you don't have a well put together set of talking points, makes it really difficult for the host to come out with the message that you want them to deliver. And I do think that there is, you know, there, as you said, there are some talking points that are are given to us and it's like, that's it. Like, oh, what am I supposed to talk about? You like gave us the company's name and URL. Thank you you know, and then on the flip side, there are those advertisers where sometimes it can be pages of talking points. And I always want to just like say, and and we're still on the same page that this is supposed to be 60 seconds, right? Like not 10 minutes. So I, I do think that as an advertiser, so important for you to make sure that you're giving the host the right kind of information to construct a really good ad. And if you are concerned that what you have isn't what it should be, you know, talk to the agency you're working with or talk to the podcast, even that you're buying the ads from and say, is this giving you the information you need to create a really good ad? And then also as an advertiser, go back and listen to the ads. Make sure you're listening and seeing what that ad sounds like. And is the ad actually really delivering the messaging that you're trying to get across? Obviously, when we have pre-recorded ads, a lot of that is solved, right? Because as an advertiser, you've gotten to listen to it beforehand. You know what's going out there. But with podcasts, it's really important to make sure. I mean, I think the talking points are one of the most important pieces of, of host or producer read ads. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I don't know how you would do it otherwise. You certainly don't want to leave it up to the individual podcaster's research and intuition. But yeah, there's, there's, there's a... Uh... A wide variety of, of, of types of bullet points that I've received. And um, I, I think tighter is better. One page, please. And, uh, <laughs> and, and certainly and certainly, tell me what, what problem you're solving, who you are, as succinctly as possible. The trap is, you know, sometimes that you want to be comprehensive or you get uh, too wrapped up in your own story. And this really isn't a website. This is a functional document. It's it's meant to it's like a blueprint. It's an engineering specification. It's not a, a marketing brochure, and so it needs to it it it's it's uh, there to help someone else build something for you, and it needs to you know fulfill that that purpose.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so now I have a, a little bit of a, a tricky question for you. As I was thinking about our interview today, I was like, ooh, I wonder if Lindsay would be willing to share with us an ad that he did that you just felt like really didn't come across well, like maybe after you were done putting it together or maybe after it ran or you listened to it later, you were like, oh, man, that ad just maybe wasn't my best work. And maybe, you know, some of the things that that were bad about it. Or even if you've listened to ads where you're like, man, that ad just not a good ad. Can kind you of give us a feel of what a bad ad sounds like?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, speaking generally, I think a bad ad sounds like an ad. There's some nuance here. All ads will sound eventually like an ad, but there will be a and sometimes an enormous break in how the host sounds from what their regular programming is to the to the sponsorship programming. And um, it's if it, it feels rushed, sometimes often people will just rush through their their copy reads. And so it just reeks of, I didn't put effort into this. And I think that's, that's a, a real problem because that's, that's how the podcast gets paid for. Um, you know, people who do really kind of to the bone scripted podcasts, scripted ads, well, would be like smartless. If you, I get the same copy points they do. And so does Malcolm Gladwell. I always really enjoy comparing. Maya reads to these other, these other like, luminaries in the space and know exactly why they crafted the sentence that way, because that was the third bullet point and, it, and I chose the same one and for, for a variety of reasons, but smartless and actually Malcolm Gladwell stick really close to the script. You know, they don't, they don't veer, the bullet points are all the same, but they, their pattern is uniquely theirs. And their interjections are uniquely theirs. There are not many of them, but I think it feels like them rather than it feels like a host who suddenly turned into reading a third grade book report in front of the class and trying to get through it. So bad ads sound like ads. I think it's the, the number one thing. It's, it's going to signal a shift in the audience's ear and they'll probably tune out because it's different. It's weird. It's not, you know, you, you don't want any bumps in the road here. Um, when, when did I do an ad that didn't succeed? I'm sure there are plenty. Most of the time it's, it's because I just couldn't figure out the connection to it. Or I was so tightly constrained that I did, I don't, I did one recently for a, uh, a history museum, which should be out of the park for me, uh, and, and, and my shows but it was a new advertiser to the space and they seemed to, to really want a nearly verbatim read mm-hmm. and, and had a very specific but peculiar set of demands. And so I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. I, well, I of course got through it, but I couldn't get into it. And, um, you know, I would have I made suggestions that they change some of their calls to action. I would have, you know, made emphasize different aspects than they did. And in the end, I think it was a, a forced and flat read for something that I really should have been uh, really good at. <laughs> uh, and that's I think that's both of our faults because I, I just couldn't figure out a way to do it, given the constraints.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think so. I feel like you've pointed out some really important things for for both advertisers and podcasters to think about. So your, your voice definitely shouldn't change. You should try your best to make your ad reads sound like your content, which I think is really important. The other thing that you have pointed out, you know, in this example is it's not that scripted podcast ad reads are bad, but the reason you have a host doing the ad read is to give them the freedom to create something that they are going to personally resonate with that they know will also resonate with their audience. And I do feel like sometimes and this happens in my experience, nine times out of ten it's a brand new advertiser to the space. They don't know what to expect, think they maybe have some control, you know, concerns, which I understand, but they come in with something that is so restrictive that it isn't really giving that host the opportunity to really make it theirs. Um, the other thing that is a huge pet peeve of mine is that if you're a host and you are creating an ad read, and you say a word wrong, which heck we all do, especially when we're reading something, go back and edit it out. You know, take take the time to make sure that the ad that you are presenting to your audience and for that advertiser really has some effort put behind it. You know, as you said, I think we all can listen to ad reads where we're like, oh, that person just phoned it in. Like there's no enthusiasm. There's no real interest. They didn't they didn't spend enough time making the ad sound good. They didn't spend enough time editing the ad so that it actually was produced well. So those are all things that I think you really, you know, need to watch out for. On the flip side, though, there's some really great ads out there. And I think that host-read ads can be very uniquely interesting. And part of what got me really excited about the space was Gimlet's ad reads. Like, I remember listening to Gimlet's ad reads and the first several times I listened, I didn't realize that they were ads. And I I mean, I was like, wait a minute, because I was listening to startup and a lot of more business advertisers. And I would be like, wait, is that a segment in their show? Like it just took me some time. And I've come, you know, from an advertising background. So can you think back to an advertiser or you know maybe something that you've done that really resonated with you to create a really awesome ad read?
1: Let me think about that um i also liked the early gimlin ads, and if you can get forty five c p m you know for them you you get that kind of premium production there um boy, those were halcyon days, but a lot of effort went into those spots oh I mean I can they even interviewed imagine. people yeah. right and and so the the ordinary ad in, in here on the ground, uh, is, is not going to be that, that produced or take that much effort, but they can still be very successful. I think so. One of one ad that people still remember of mine was early, early in my career for ZipRecruiter, because I find ZipRecruiter very difficult to say. ZipRecruiter. I, you know, but I, it, it's just, it just gets tangled on my tongue and doesn't get past my teeth. And so, but they were an early and frequent and, and consistent advertiser. And I had to figure this out, but I decided to use my, my weakness as a, as a benefit. And so I just admitted that I have a real difficulty saying ZipRecruiter and I recorded it cleanly once. And anytime ZipRecruiter came in, I just pasted it in. And so that became the shtick of the, the spot, that it, 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 it was the same thing over and over and clearly, you know, messed up the, the flow of everything. But it was so memorable that people still mention it four or five years later because it had something in it, you know, a hook. And I'm trying to think of others that, I mean, that one's, that one's a shtick. But there are others that, that had a story that really worked. One was President Andrew Jackson's full head of hair. And, and you know, like, he, he led a, a rough and hard life. And, uh, and he did not look good toward the end of his life. But he still had a hell of a head of hair. And uh, if you are not that person, then maybe you should try this, this hair growth serum, whatever it is. And people resonated with that one. George Washington's wooden teeth, some of my family stories, which are really constrained, I don't you know, really get that personal. It's always my wife and my daughter, never their names and barely any details at all. It's going to be one thing that just stands out and is probably uh, the star of the show and is mated Well enough to the product or the brand that it's memorable. Mm I mean, obviously the first example where I can't say zip recruiter is, is a great example of, of how to make your, your hook tightly integrated with, with the brand.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ultimately when you're finished listening to an ad as, as a consumer, you want to number one, remember the company, right? You want to know like, oh Yes. Like, I remember the Energizer bunny and being in some, you know, long ago advertising meetings and being like, was it Energizer or was it Duracell? Like, who can remember? Because if you can't remember the actual company that's associated with the ad read, then it's totally ineffective, right? So being able to remember the company. um, But then also understanding kind of what's in it for you as the audience and why you would want to go purchase the product. And so anything you can do as a host to make that happen is is really kind of going above and beyond and what you need to do for the advertiser for them to get good results. And I love that example with ZipRecruiter because um it's creating something that is memorable, but also really authentic. And it didn't, I mean, I'm sure at the time it didn't feel super contrived because why would you have done that, right? It was just a natural thing. And that also gets back to the human condition, which we've been talking about, right? Which is people want to identify with others that they see as like themselves. And people could probably identify with not being able to pronounce, you know, a difficult tongue twister type of word. So I think all those things go together really well. So as we look to the horizon... And we do see programmatic ads coming, which you know I've I've created several episodes recently about how important I do believe programmatic is to the overall space. I think if we want to continue to really monetize, programmatic's really the only way to scale. Programmatic's the only way to really sell 100% of the impressions available. But there is still something that needs to be retained with host red ads, and I for one certainly don't want to see them go away. I think that there is a great place for host red ads, but I'm just kind of curious, what is your prediction and and kind of looking at it, I think maybe more from a creative angle, because that's really what you're in is this idea of, you know, creating great content, be that content or be that ads. What are your predictions?
1: Well, first, don't hold me to any of this. Next, um, I think the results will will tell i mean there's enough ability for advertisers to to figure out what works if they're doing their jobs properly you know the the attribution technology is out there and the the ability to figure out which leads came from which directions and what the the lift was is is available to advertisers and they will find out what works and uh, it'll be a calculation that just says hey you know programmatic is the way to go for us because we just want to plaster the marketplace with our name versus a more tailored, uh, persuasive approach that I think HostRed is, is perfect for. I personally have seen uh, a swing kind of back to to HostRed ads. Um, there was a, a period in which certainly dynamic inserted HostRed ads versus baked in, you know, became ascendant. And then, you know, everyone as marketplaces ramped up. Um, everyone shifted to them, but there has been a trickle back by a few advertisers that realize that, no, we're not getting the same sort of result. We're missing that connection. I think that's advertiser dependent. So wh- what we have here is just another tool in the box for those advertisers that, that recognize that they need a more human personal connection that only a host red can give them. Um. So, yeah, I don't think it's going away. I think the, the mix will continue to evolve. Who knows what's next? You know, AI reads is probably coming, mm-hmm. but the, the host reads it's certainly not going to go away. I mean, the the endorsement, the host celebrity, whatever endorsement has been what all of free to consume media has been built on since its inception. And um, I think there is a reason for that, and mm-hmm. it, it's because we are human. And no uh, no robot is going to figure out how to sell me a mattress better.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a great conversation um, and one that I think delivered a lot of value to the audience, both podcasters and advertisers. If someone would like to connect with you, where is a good place for them to find you?
1: Oh, I probably live on Twitter most. Um, so you can find me there uh, at Lindsay Agram. Graham. That's Lindsay with an A. And that's important because I've heard there's another one out there.
0: All right, terrific. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I hope that this episode has been educational for you. It certainly has been a great conversation. If you're interested in learning more about podcast advertising, please head on over to our website truenativemedia.com and download our podcast advertising guide. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry.